0: Hey, welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Peek. You can find me on all of the socials at Packaging Pastor. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, which is where I'm the most active. Adam Peek, P-E-E-K. I'm looking forward to it. We have a new children's book out, Packaging Peaks and the Sticky Situation, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at Mascot Books. Listen, I also want to give a shout out here to Specright. They have been a longtime sponsor of the podcast. Listen, do the letters E-P-R strike any fear in you at all? If not, if you're a packaging manufacturer or if you're a brand, you should at least start to figure out what your packaging specs are. It's going to be absolutely critical. Go learn more at specright.com or just hit me up and I'll put you in contact with Laura and Adam and the team over there. Also, Supply Caddy. Supply Caddy is a leading global manufacturer and supplier of packaging and disposables for the food service industry. Their headquarters are in Miami, Florida, and they have manufacturing facilities in North America and Europe. Supply Caddy is able to provide high quality, affordable products for restaurants, chains, and food service brands globally. For more information, you can go to supplycaddy, S-U-P-P-L-Y-C-A-D-D-Y.com. All of these links will be down in the show notes. Please be sure to check it out and support the guests that we have on this show. Connect up with them, follow them, learn more about this story. And speaking of which, let's get to our next guest. Hey, everybody. I am joined here by uh, Brian Vanderwater here on the People of Packaging podcast. This is fun because Brian and I uh, should have known each other, but we didn't know each other. We worked at the same company for a little bit. We didn't really interact that much until a a great friend of mine and of Brian and a uh, fellow People of Packaging podcast guest, Paulette Grams, uh, connected us up and uh, we had a great conversation, Brian and I did before the call. And so I am excited for this interview. I think that you should be as well, especially if you're into really exciting and sexy things like operational efficiency, uh, which you should be because it's really important and we're going to get into that. So Brian is the CEO and founder. Can I say founder as well, Brian? Yes. Perfect. CEO, founder, COO, CMO. Uh, any other titles you want me to throw in there? <laughs> I do it all. Does it all. Of SPL Consulting, LLC. And um, it's fun because he ha- he's actually international. He lives in Luxembourg. So that's... Uh, that's great. Uh I believe that is not the tiny country in Europe though. Is this correct, Brian?
1: No, it's Luxembourg, Wisconsin. Ah. Kind of Greater Green Bay. <laughs> Shoot.
0: Uh Luxembourg, Wisconsin is different <clears throat> a different place than Luxembourg. Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, Brian, welcome. Welcome to the show, the podcast Thank here. You. I'm excited to get into this. So I like to start off every episode with just giving you the <clears throat> opportunity to just talk a little bit about your your history and you know how I know you haven't always been in packaging is that correct you also right had a, had yeah. a stint in in <coughs> some non-packaging
1: business but right. why don't you just talk a little bit
0: about your uh, your background
1: yeah yeah so I'll give my background and then I'll give a, a high level overview of the business and what I do and I may may jump in on your
0: background after your background, though, and ask a couple of questions just so you.
1: Okay, perfect. Um, So my background, um, as Adam mentioned, um, much of it was in the flexible packaging, um, converting and label manufacturing businesses. About 25 of my 30 plus years in industry um, was in in those those related packaging world. Worked for some companies might recognize. James River was the first company I worked for out of college um, in the flexible packaging division for them. I worked in um, two locations, St. Louis, Missouri, and Dayton, Ohio, um, and a couple other packaging, um, Wide Web, Flexo, with Flexographic, Rotor um, some Offset, um, some Folding Carton, and then um, heavy experience in the extrusion side of the flexible packaging world as, as well. Um, then the other, about half of that time in the printing, packaging, label world. Was in labels, so narrow web, flexo, um, getting into um, digital, started out in that in that time frame. So it covered most of the print technologies and um, the wide web and narrow web as well. Um, I did have a couple of departures from the industry. Um, I left um, between wide web and narrow web, and and I uh, I was vice president for a company called ABB. It was a robotic systems company. And I led three divisions in North America and managed engineering and manufacturing for all of North America. And then um, I was there for a number of years and um, got back into the printing world in the label sector. And when I left um, WS Packaging, is where Adam, I, Adam and I had a slight overlap of time, um, I left and ended up going into the microbiology field. Um, went in and took over as president of a microbiology company. And in that, a um, little bit of my background, I've done seven turnarounds in my career in, while in industry, and the microbiology company is one of them. They lost money for a number of years. Um, the executive team all took um, 25% pay cuts about six months before I started to make payroll. Um, came on, um, long story short, turned it around, and um, in five years, we were um, we tripled the top line, expanded, and opened a new location, paid cash for it in new mexico and then um when i left we were in EBITDA in the 40s um so it's kind of a high-level background
0: that's awesome you have said so many so many (laughs) incredible (laughs) things that we can dig dig into here and and i want to get to what you're doing now and i'm guessing it has a lot Mm -hmm. to do with some of the story you just told about the uh, the microbiology company but i'm curious on a couple of things and they're they're, mm-hmm. they're only interconnected because they're connected to you, which is cool. So you mentioned just sort of offhand <coughs> that you went to uh, James River out of college. And we have a lot of college students who listen to the podcast. Um, okay. So, you know, Stout. Clemson, Michigan State, RIT, all those schools. Uh, I, I left somebody out. I always end up. Michigan State's oh. the
1: really only good packaging school, right? Wow! That- no,
0: no, 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 no. We, we celebrate. <laughs> we celebrate all of the schools, and uh, they actually Michigan State. I need to get out there because they just opened up a new um, a new packaging school, actually. And I believe yeah. it was April of this year, but uh, no, I've I've gotten to speak to the students at Stout. <clears throat> done uh, some work with uh, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Uh, San Jose State has a really great program as well. There's a lot of great programs out there, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. um, uh, there's 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 a fair amount of college students who listen to this. So when you went from school into a printing company, why did you do that? All right, let me just jump in here real quickly because this is super exciting. Uh, My wife and I and our kids came out with this book, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation. It took us a couple of years to write. We spent a lot of time in illustrating and all that. It's finally out. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at mascotbooks.com. There's a link down in the show notes that you can click. We wrote it because I was trying to describe to my kids you know, what it's like. And there's all these children's books out there about various different industries and about various different jobs. We wanted people in our industry to have a book to be able to relate to their kids with. So go pick it up. Please. It would mean so much to support us packaging peaks in the sticky situation on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Let's get back into this interview.
1: What was yeah, it? It, you... Interesting. Yeah. So interesting, interesting question. Um, it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know when you're coming out of college. Right. Yep. I, I interviewed with with a a of companies and um, got offers from um, most of them. And two of them, um, one was Print Pack and one was James River. My naivete at the time, I didn't even know they were competitors. Um, And uh, I just decided that uh, the James River opportunity gave me an opportunity to go into an engineering role in product development um, right out of college where I was an experiment with them. I was the first person they hired without previous experience. I was in a department of I think about about ten people and the next closest person to my age was in her 40s um, so it was uh, kind of an interesting thing I got to work with a lot of experienced people and was blessed to to join that company because that's where as I start to talk about my background a little, little bit further into this conversation um, they were dr. Deming was coming to the us with SPC statistical process control and his management philosophy and they they saw it and started working on it and I was an aggressive engineer and i guess if you're looking for you know what do you what do you tell college students you know go learn everything you can you know jump into anything new and challenging and go places other people won't go um to differentiate yourself and so so that's what i did i raised my hand and said train me in in all this spc stuff um so i was lean before lean became a term and a methodology in the mid 90s um another thing just for for the you know college student kind of thought process my background um, I got promoted four times in five years in St. Louis. And I was ready for the next thing, but I was actually told I was too young, um, but I wasn't ready to just wait until they told me I wasn't, or I was old enough. And so I, I interviewed elsewhere in the company in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I made a decision to go there against every single person that I worked with and for um, their advice. And main reason is they announced they were closing the plant and um, they had given it a year to make money. And I was like, with all the process engineering techniques I developed and SPC and stuff. I thought maybe I could help. Long story short, um, I went there. Um, they created a spot. Basically, I told them what I wanted to do. I was 26 years old and sitting at the, at the big table with the, with the leaders. And um, I did some engineering stuff that got us making money in about six months. And so that was my first turnaround. And I got promoted three more times. And um, it was a great experience. But, I, but I, I did things that made me different than others, I guess is yeah. the summary.
0: I love that so there there's so many lessons in there and and it's both for leadership and also for young emerging leaders uh it, which is you know I'm I'm a I've, I've said this many times on the podcast before but like I'm I'm an ordained minister and there is a there's a, a a Bible verse that I have long loved it says don't let anyone look down on you because you're young but set an example in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. so this is like uh, the, the Apostle Paul writing to his young like protege Timothy saying like you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna have challenges. Don't let your age stop you from doing yeah. the things that you know are good and right. And you yeah, know, Second I,
1: Timothy, right? Uh,
0: I believe it's First Timothy four twelve. First Timothy, yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's 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 this great idea that <clears throat> so much so much of our of the things that we, you know, that, that we find today, we can also find are, are pretty ancient and, and longstanding. So I love that. Yeah. And then for the leaders, it's also critical. And I ran into this even sometimes at WS, not all the time, but sometimes at WS, because similarly, I was the youngest sales rep uh, at, at the time, or one of the youngest sales reps at the time. And I would have, you know, thoughts and ideas and, and, you know, was, was trying to seek out promotions. And it was like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're probably too young for that. And, and you know, it, it <clears throat> it's it's good and right. And and if you can do it in an appropriate way for, if you're young to like seek out those challenges, like you said, I love that you said, no, no, I know the plant's closing and I've got some ideas and I want to go take that challenge because you're 28. So what what's the worst that could happen, right? Is the plant close. Right. And then you find- I was getting yeah. called by
1: recruiters all the time. So yeah. I, knew, I knew I'd land and, and James River would probably, find a place for me. So, right. So yeah, I took those risks. Um, but yeah, your, 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 your leadership, um, comments are spot on, Adam. Um, you know, getting a little bit into what I do, the, the leadership development talent development piece of what I do in my consulting business is how I led, led organizations and, um, WS packaging I'll use an example from there. You know, I coached and developed my team and I looked for talent outside of my area. And there was a a young, young guy that was in, um, the software IT side of our business. And, and I saw some real talent and he, he didn't work for me. I worked for corporate, but he was in my facility a lot. And I got, got to coaching with him and informally mentoring him. And I shared with him, you know, to really think about what do you want to do? And then advice I give a lot of young people that I've coached and even in, in my consulting business now, I tell them, decide what you want. Tell your boss and your boss's boss what you want. And I bring it to WS. So so this guy, so I I did this with him. And I didn't, you don't know the impact sometimes you have as a leader until way later in life. So fast forward 15 years, um, my my son was actually in, in college and had an internship with a local company. And this guy happened to be the director of that IT department of a very large corporation. And it was during COVID and it took a while, but about a year into it, they went out finally in person for drinks and this person shared with the entire IT department that story mm. and he said I tell everybody and he he said I'm, I'm going to embarrass my son hunter cuz I'm going to tell a story about this person is his dad that gave me the best advice I ever got and he I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that advice to let people know what you want or there's just so many people you it's hard to hard to stand out so 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 decide what you want and tell people
0: love it that's it's awesome um i i I did have another, these, these are, like, this is a very technical, this is maybe a little bit more of a technical question, but I've actually never had somebody answer this for me because I, you know, okay. if, if, you, say, if you say, hey, tell people what you want, and then, like, I want to know this. What is the difference between wide web and narrow web printing? Because it seems to be kind of ambiguous. <laughs> it's like we just talk about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I was in narrow web, and now I'm in wide web. And I'm like, well, is there a, obviously... You know narrow web is 12 10 inch 13 inches and then you know you can get like a 40 inch wide web but is there a moment where it's like no no no, sorry press you're now a wide web press and it's like ah shucks i was narrow web
1: great question i i I don't know if there's an official scientific number that i've ever been told but um in the the widest that i ran labels was 22 inches Um, so if i was to throw a dart at the wall i'd say you know 22 uh, I think there's a couple presses out there now in the digital space that are 24. Um, so maybe that's kind of the cutoff of narrow then to wide. Um, then wide web is, you know, it gets, gets super wide. Um, so yeah, um am sorry. I didn't have a great answer. No, no, it's fine. I just, uh, that's it, my answer. You had said like <laughs> I worked
0: in narrow web and in, in wide web and I'm like, is there a medium yeah. web? Like do we, yeah, just, they're so arbitrary. Some of the, uh, yeah, it is. I think it is. I
1: think it is just that arbitrary.
0: Yeah. It would just, we just, kind of define it that way and then the last thing I was I was hoping to get a definition of maybe and maybe somebody heard this phrase or you've heard this phrase before and I know that you have laser focused on helping organizations improve this is EBITDA we hear this all the time I'm not like a finance person I'm not a you know a CPA or anything like that. but what the heck is EBITDA and why is it so important sure.
1: Sure. Yeah. EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And it's, it's, it's one of a number of accounting measures on how you measure performance of a business. And then Wall Street actually more often than not uses EBITDA as the way to calculate the valuation of a business based on that performance. And EBITDA, by subtracting out um, depreciation and taxes and, 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 um, interest and so forth, kind of um levels the field a little bit you know, with with those things you know if companies are taking real heavy depreciation they can reduce the bottom line reported net income by taking heavier in, uh, depreciation or um so it's it's kind of it, it makes it, it gets down to the basic the best you can true comparative profitability across businesses
0: got it so it was earnings before you said interest taxes interest, depreciation, and dip- amortization Correct. Look, we're learning things here, kids. Uh, that's great, and, and that's important. That's important. We'll, we'll pivot here into what you're currently doing today. So, you you talked a little bit about leadership development, leadership consulting. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing you're still doing operational consulting using SPC methodologies and some lean methodologies. So, so do you come in as a as a consultant to to a company, you know, ABC Widget Company or ABC Printing Company, whoever it is. And what, talk us through your process a little bit and maybe some of the people that you have, you have helped you don't have to get specifics. I know you probably have NDAs and stuff like that with, with clients, but just, just some kind of generalities of what, what is your process? Like you're a process person. So what is your process like right. to help people? I'm guessing eventually improve that EBITDA versus, you know,
1: whatever yeah, it is that that, they want to do. That's really what I do. Ultimately it's about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with this though, just a kind of high level my business, I consult in three primary disciplines, strategic planning, lean enterprise implementation, which is that whole process improvement, continuous improvement world, and then um, leadership development or talent development are the three main umbrellas that I, that I consult in. Um, and then you know my process um typically the way it starts with a client um you know get into a conversation like this maybe where we're just just getting to know each other figure out what their challenges are things that they're struggling with be it be it capacity efficiency quality could be they're struggling with getting orders through the the front end of the business those transactional processes accounting etc and so i hear what those pain points are and then based on that i, I talk about what things I would do and use from my toolbox to help them. Sometimes it's strategy first, um, or sometimes it's, it's using some of the lean tools or a Kaizen, which is the, the process that we, we focus on a, on a process in the business to improve it. <clears throat> um, and then put together from, from the assessment, I, I, I uncovered the real pain points and I put together a, a proposed plan of how we're going to go after it. And then once that's done, um, once we, we set a calendar and start working on it and, um, so that's the basic process um, and before I go into the results side um, the leadership and talent development piece that we already talked a little bit about um, I, I typically don't lead with that that's that's not my primary thing it's usually strategy or lean that that I enter with a company and I often hear this Brian how'd you put strategy and lean together we don't see that and right now I think I one of I, I haven't come across a consultant personally that has the skill and aptitude in both and my first re- flipping response is because that's what I'm good at. That's why I do strategy and lean. Um, but re- really fundamentally for me, the tools are very different, but what makes them both work is tied into this leadership side of things. Mm. It is all about leadership to manage, change, and execution. And it's about a team. Um, everything happens with a team. Lean is just a tool. Strategy is just a tool. It's how you build and lead that team that makes you successful. So with that being said, you know some examples of results, um, high level summary. Yeah, um, in the last um, five plus years that I've been in business um, as SBL Consulting LLC, um, I've uh, crossed a milestone of 125,000 hours back about two months ago that I've created for clients. that's equivalent to roughly 60 full-time equivalents um, created through the process that I help clients with. Um, um, I'll, I'll invite any, any people to join, join me on LinkedIn. And um, look at look at one of my recent posts about a month ago. Um, I had a prospect that challenged that short of telling me they didn't believe what I was saying. They said that that I could, couldn't possibly move companies as quickly as I do. So I put a post about it and encouraged people to you know do due diligence. I wasn't offended by the skepticism, but the, res, the resounding feedback I got from clients and you can read the comments from clients there. Um, one of the clients shared he changed our company, you know, um, Increased throughput 40%, um, took their lead time from 40 days to 14, took their work and process from hundreds of thousands of dollars down to, you know, you know, 10, 15,000 at a time. Um, So major things like that. Um, I had one client and, you know, in the lean space where um, they, they actually brought me in first to do coaching for their executive VP of sales. Um, that led to some strategic planning around their sales process, helped them achieve their 10-year sales growth goal in four years with a change in approach. And that led to the CEO saying, hey, you know, we've never had an expert from with lean come in and evaluate our business. And they thought they were lean. And they asked me to come in and do an assessment. So I, so I went in, <clears throat> found opportunity um, in the first Kaizen uh, we created 5,200 hours of press capacity across three presses Jeez. and I, I kind of joked around. I had to apologize to Mark Andy cause I canceled the PO for a press <laughs> and they didn't have to hire three people. And um, so something that's where the company that, that thought they were lean. And the reason I say that is that if, if, if you as a company, if you're not satisfied with where you are today, you're not going fast enough, or you've got trouble spots and you keep working on, but can't, can't fix, let's talk. Um cause I find opportunity every single time. And, and my approach is one that works really well from the CEO down to the to people on the floor. I get involved hands-on um, in the process. And, and as um, Adam alluded to it earlier, I do everything. It's just me and by design, I don't want a tire team. This is the first time in now 40 years, I have no direct reports. I don't answer to anybody I want to, and I kind of dig it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so when, when you get me, you get the A team. Um, and so when I come in, Um, You're getting the person that's led for 25 years at the executive level, led these processes I now consult in.
0: Mm -hmm. Technically, they're getting the B team because B is for Brian. But, you know, (laughs) Uh, anyway, so that's that's awesome. I have so many. There's so many follow up questions there. I'm going to make sure that I I grab that LinkedIn post that you were talking about. I'm going to make sure that's in the show notes uh, so that people can just click on that and they can go and engage with it there. Um I I guess one one thing that kind of came to mind you had mentioned um you said Dr Deming is that the same like mm-hmm. uh J, or is it J Edward Deming is that um is that
1: w, w edwards Deming yeah W Edwards Dr. Deming I'm Dr. sorry w edwards. Yeah 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 yep. yeah no that's, that that's him he was the the founder of of what is now called lean um he he was a engineer and developed the statistical process control process and total quality circles was the thing. Um, I trained in Japan twice, actually and met Deming twice. Mm. Um, and um, in the in the 60s and 70s, the US didn't want to hear me went to Japan, they listened. Um, Japan turned around from being a junky widget country to everybody looks at them. And I was having state of the art, good quality products. And um, in the mid 80s, the US started to listen and industry here adopted a lot of it. I taught um, but in, in St. Louis and Dayton, Ohio, for James River, one of the things I did is I taught SPC on up through some of the advanced levels, and I, I was the the um, the teacher for Deming's 14 points in his management philosophy. So I taught 700 people um, those processes and implemented them throughout two facilities.
0: That's awesome. Early in my career, one of my I I believe the quote is attributed to him, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's it's something like your Process is perfectly designed for the outcomes it's receiving or the outputs it's giving. Or there's some, there, you know, there's essentially this this quote that's like, if you want to change your outcomes, you have to change your process. Whatever your outcomes right. are, your process is perfectly designed for them. And so yep. if you like yeah, you, your outcomes, you, you, you get you're with happy you. with them, then your process is great. <clears throat> but you can't just wish your outcomes are <laughs> better. Yeah. You know, you, you can't just, yeah, no, your you can't. And, and,
1: your and process yeah and that's where you know a lot of the lean principles come in and as, as the lean kaizen tools got developed and refined um taking those tools and, and and openly i i don't do a ton in the statistical process control side of it i, I do um that that in the more six sigma world mm-hmm. um but what i what i found is that most manufacturing companies want to um Mm-hmm. They want to make change fast, and the the Six Sigma processes take a lot of time to gather data, and my, many times there are months, six, seven months of data, data gathering. And the manufacturing people and the in the bosses saying, how, "How come we're not making improvements?" Are going, "We're not getting it." Kaizen is like right now. You go in and you, and you and you you find the waste in the processes where people are waiting or looking for parts or um, having things that prevent them from running as fast as they could, and you you change those process steps the order in which you do it and how you organize yourself and my typical kaizen is generating on average about 2500 hours of capacity um across the the, both that transactional front end side of the business you know order processing accounting etc out through all the manufacturing process including warehouse and shipping and transportation kind of stuff
0: and those those kaizens are typically I recall at WS they we would do them and they would be cross-functional and I only remember that because one time my uh, my my boss shout out to Mike Jarrett was at was invited to one right it wasn't just operations people in the plant it was people from all from different parts of it because you want to be able to get different eyes on things and you mentioned that too when you're doing leadership development you can't mm-hmm. just find the people that you like and turn the outside of your department. but I remember he told me this story that he was on a he was at one of these events. He saw some labels running on a press that ended up shipping to Mexico. And he was like, hey, uh, we have a plant in Mexico that is looking for work. I think this work would be perfect for that plant. Why don't we run that there? Just ask the question. And they were like, well, I don't know because it's always always run here. <laughs> and it was like mm-hmm. within a couple of days that work had been moved and freed up that that press that had been bogged way down with work. And it was just mm-hmm. it, it was like the thing that I'm sure there's there's way more complexity to it than that, obviously there's a whole process, but I love that part of it that's just like get in identify the problems make the you know the the low hanging fruit for so to speak and and you know get going. I thought that was a that was pretty cool
1: so um yeah um yeah I think uh you know the, the cross-functional piece. That is a, a fundamental element that I really focus on with all my clients. Um, I say when I, when I do a Kaizen, I want I want not just content experts. I want need need one or two like that in the, in there. Sure. Um. So they know the processes. But then I like having salespeople, IT people, um, you know, people from the office in manufacturing get that real good cross-functional thing. Because with a Kaizen, it's not just the event and results that are popping out that are those those tangible bottom-line improvements, but relationships that get built i have a client that that i did this with and i and i stressed it and I actually in the beginning said i don't want any of your leaders in it it was a larger larger label company and i thought we want to get down into the depth of the organization first and um we did that and he was kind of like okay you kind of went along with it but didn't quite think it was maybe the right thing and after we did a few events you know he shared with him he said brian that the 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 cross-functional guidance you gave us is is incredible what's happened. We have people who have never talked that are that are talking, and they're our friends. They've they've gotten together after work now. It's getting you know customer service and manufacturing talk. I did one this this spring where um, the, a graphics person who had never really spent any time on the floor was in the Kaizen. And I typically like to have people say, "What's one thing you you, you gained and learned from being part of this event?" And this this graphics guy, and he, he, he's like uh, 35 years experience. He said, I was blown away with how hard it is to be a press operator and all the things that go into running mm-hmm. a label. And so that that you get that. And the same thing from the manufacturing side. They they go, Well, why can't they just get this order right? Or, or why why do we why does it take so long to get this information until they sit in an order processing guys and figure out all the things they have to do? And they go, Whoa, I'm glad I don't do that job. Yeah. Um, so it just really, really helps people. And you know, the, the second point I want to make that you kind of tap that Adam is. With, um, you know, with a kaizen, I, I look for people who are the naysayers that are, that don't believe in what we're doing. When I go into a client, and and I, you know, I, I I'll challenge. I like to have. I can't have a whole team of people that are just fighting me, but I like someone who is vocal that that is um, that informal leader that's kind of going. I'm not buying into this. And I get them in a kaizen, and when they live through it and they see how we get to where we go, that it's it's we actually do it. It's not it's not something we're thinking about conceptually on a drawing board. We go out and we we observe it and try it. And I'll share this story. One of my clients, it was a chemical manufacturer. Um, Meredith is her name. Um, She was very, very mean. Um, People were scared of her. She yelled and swore more than any man I knew. And as I worked with that company, I I started listening through the bluster and she was frustrated with things that she saw that didn't change. And I asked for her to be in, I think it was the third Kaizen. And the production manager said, are you sure? I said, yes, I want her in that Kaizen. We did. Um, midweek, she she apologized to me in that to, and said, I I earned my money that week. She didn't know we would actually do anything, but wow, this is amazing. Um, in the report out, she didn't want to present. I pretty much forced people to present and just talk about what we did. She interrupted two more people after she was done. She was so on fire with what we did. and. She um, she now is the head trainer for the company. She doesn't even run a production line anymore. That's she awesome. Is, that would it had that big impact on her. So so it's about the team and looking for where you can tap into people's strengths and and draw people in. Absolutely,
0: I love that so much. Well, Brian, uh, there there's so much more to be had on this topic. Obviously, there's 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 books and there's webinars and there's all sorts of stuff. I and what what I really want to encourage people to do is connect up with you and, and talk with you. I know I said you're the B team. You're obviously the A team. You're the best. So, uh, how can people connect up with you? Is it LinkedIn, you know, email, what's the best way for them to reach out and, uh, ask you questions. Maybe it's a college student who just wants to, you know, a a quick phone call for some advice. I don't know. I don't know why people reach out to people, but they do. Right. So how can they they talk to you?
1: Yeah. So it's obviously LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, it's Brian Vandywater and last name is V A N D E W A T E R. Um, or you can reach me by email at Vandywater, last name B. So Vandywater B for Brian at outlook.com. Those are two good ways to catch me. Okay. And uh, if we connect, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. That's and right. I, I definitely encourage you again, if you're thinking about, you know, one, one challenges in your business, um, Let's talk, you know, I, and there's there's if I if one thing you'll get from me is if I if I don't think I can really help you, I'll tell you, um, I won't I won't just try to take an engagement that I don't think I'm going to add value that doesn't do me any good. Um, if I can't put major points on the board, then it's then I'm probably not the right partner. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say is that just a piece of the the puzzle. Um, I'd recently partnered with a, a, a company that developed a software, and I collaborated with them and, and tweaked it. So now, all of the the things in strategic planning, lean, and leadership development or talent development that I've that I've done, that we're all done spreadsheet and documents. I've got a software now behind me that that mm-hmm. integrates all that seamlessly into one one process. That um, you know we modified the whole strategic planning process they were developing to match mine, um, and it's it's exactly what I do. So now that's something I can offer clients as well that really gives them way to to facilitate and manage and help help drive that. If they're not good at execution, drive the execution focus.
0: Got it. That's awesome. Well, I encourage everybody, please reach out to Brian, find him on LinkedIn, send him an email. Uh, don't worry. I got you. All of those things will be down in the show notes. You can just click a button because uh, I know how lazy people can be. So <laughs> you could
1: just make it easy for you
0: to connect up with Brian. Uh, Whatever you're listening to this podcast, just scroll down to the show notes uh, it and you can be connected to him Brian thank you so much this has been super informative incredibly helpful and uh, I'm excited to I guess reconnect a little bit uh, but, but yeah. really connect up for the first time and uh, I'm sure we'd have a lot of stories to share and swap about, about common folks that, <laughs> that, we, that we knew at WS so uh, right, we'll, right. We'll, we'll connect up in real life at some point I'm sure uh, Brian thanks so much for being on the podcast I really appreciate it
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it and look forward to talking again.
0: Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.